and welcome to episode 143 of Relics of Ore. I am your host, Grybok, and joining me this morning are Spirit and Vrabin. How are you doing this morning, Spirit? I'm good. Good morning. Good morning. And Vrabin, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing well. I'm glad to be here, as always. Indeed. So, fortunately, uh, or unfortunately, I guess it depends on your perspective, there is not a whole lot to talk about this week, but it looks like there's going to be a whole bunch to talk about next week. Uh, so let's just move right on into the rotating cog. No patch Tuesdays. Give me something to kill already. You know what they say, a patchless Tuesday amasses nothing to talk about. So I would say the major announcement of the week probably, well, I don't know. I The biggest news that's been going on in the community is that a bunch of people from various fan sites got to go visit ArenaNet, um, which is exciting, but we didn't get to go, so you know. <laughs> Maybe someday. Maybe someday, yeah. Um, but we, we should be hearing... We need a lot more British accents, I think, on this show if we're going to get <laughs> Yeah, we should be hearing details from them early next week, which I would assume is going to be a huge media barrage from all of them unloading a salvo of NDA'd things. Yeah, um, Matt Visual said that their NDA lifts March 3rd, so there's no point in looking for anything before that. Yeah. They... <clears throat> is PAX East next weekend? Yes, as in like one weekend. Yes. Yeah, no, as we, in, in seven days. There was days a weird conversation five about next weekends, but yes, yes, in seven days from now. Yeah, well, it's still the weekend for us, so, you know. Oh, man. Oh, yeah, time zones. Um, yeah, so I assume, I assume that we're going to get a big media barrage right before and during PAX East, so hopefully that's... Yeah. That's exciting. But speaking of breaking NDAs, apparently, hilariously, somebody accidentally broke the NDA when they talked about getting the camera fixed. Spirit? That's... I have a lot of feelings. Well, didn't you? Uh, I was I was going to ask, did you have the details on who did that? Vrabin and I were talking about it before the show, and he said he thought that that was the case, but that you were the one that told him that. I don't really know who even said it first. I don't know who to shame, but don't break NDAs, don't break embargoes, it's not worth it, and you're a butt. But it's uh, funny that, you know, there's an embargo on the camera. Yeah, I just thought that, like, the situation was like, oh, you can't talk about first-person cameras, because it doesn't sound like a big thing. But then when I thought about how excited I am about it, it kind of is a big thing. I don't know, that's some, you know, their new shiny tech that's never been seen before. I mean, first-person, right? Oh. Yeah, it's brand new. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> sort of calling back to our Revenant episode. But anyway. Uh, you mean Radiator? It, yeah. It is actually very exciting, though. Um, I'm way more excited about the snapping camera changes. So mm -hmm. uh, if you haven't watched it, definitely go watch the clip from Ready Up. It'll be in the show notes. They are really look like they're fixing a lot of problems with how the camera snaps to people and collides with things in the background. Um, and yeah, it's, that's really exciting. Cause that is super annoying. It to be, to play yeah. devil's advocate, the stuff they showed on ready up was not even the worst of what happened. I mean, as has been well, said in relics of many times, it ends up in your pancreas, the camera. Yes. And they... I really hope that they fix it all the way. And I don't think that they won't, but I mean, come on guys, really what they showed on there was not the worst of it. Um, they said, 
specifically that one of the areas they tested in was Trolls End on a max size Norn. And you can now do Trolls End on a max size Norn. I feel um, like that's one of those like caveats where the, the like can is in air quotes because it's still impossible. <laughs> but at least it's not the camera's fault. At least mm. it's not the camera's fault. <laughs> but yeah, I so, don't know. So yeah, they um one of the things that I noticed, at least um well they are going to be it's not gonna change the default options, right? They're just adding a ton of sliders and it's it's some really good ones, right? There's um the first of all how much the so there's a collision detection slider which uh increases yeah it increases the amount of stuff between you and your character that causes the camera to move towards your character um and none of this will be enabled by default so it'll be something you want to do whenever these patch whenever these go live um which i believe is march 10th but i I don't know. You know, I honestly, the way that they kind of talked about it on ReadyUp, it wouldn't surprise me if it is sort of done like graphic settings where it may do sort of an auto detect. So your camera may actually get a little bit more flexible right off the bat. I don't know about that. Um, I would we'll be see. hopeful for that because it's the uh, one of the other major things about this patch is that um, it's going to be adding a, an FOV slider too, uh, particularly in, in the vertical sense. Of yeah, words are hard this morning. I'm sorry. And it also um, allows you to preposition, um, as in your camera can center top right, bottom at your feet, things like that. Whatever. Right. Yeah, we've already had a horizontal one, but now we've also got a vertical slider for the camera position. Um. So the main benefit of that that we're going to see immediately, or not, if you don't enable it, but we'll be able to see more things vertically on the screen with our character and that is such a good like I'm looking forward to that so much because if you've ever we run around Tyria basically looking at the ground because currently the the field of isn't that high but there's so much cool stuff if you actually look up and if you we're going to be able to see it now all the time and you'll have such a greater appreciation for the environment if like now that we can actually see it this was already a beautiful game but we couldn't always see it because we're looking at the ground in our character and now we can have a chance to look at other stuff and i'm so excited about that well and it seems like it was especially bad with like asura because the fact that it was centered on like the back of your chest rather than above your head or whatever right like when you're that low to the ground it actually made it kind of harder to see up ironically um yeah no it's it's exciting i'm i'm pretty i'm pretty happy about it like it's not one of those things that you know uh i mean i'm gonna i'm gonna enjoy it i'm not gonna like freak out about it but it's it's a really nice quality of life change and it's one of those things as one of our uh, guest hosts mentioned in the notes that they had to put a lot of time into doing this because they had to change the whole way the system works and i'm not a coder so i don't know exactly how all that works but i guess kudos to them for uh, actually overhauling the system which in my opinion should have been the best way it launched but hey thanks for doing it yeah it's um i i've never worked with cameras but i sort of understand that they're very tricky and fickle and i mean even i mean you see camera issues in all sorts of games like it is very rare that you get a camera that's actually perfect and they all have their own little quirks in in every game 
and yeah it's i i don't know how much work went into it but i would i would guess it's a fair amount and they definitely had to just like overhaul the whole thing because it's not just it's not just something that you you know flip a little switch and then it's magically better like it's it's more complicated than that um but oh uh, one of the one of the things they brought up was uh world v world that you will be able like because of the way that some of the siege mechanics work they work based on or they're they're somewhat bounded based on your field of view and so being able to toggle your field of view will actually give you better firing ability um however that was already something that was able to be mimicked by putting it in windowed mode and stretching it across multiple monitors so Mm -hmm. um you know it's it's not ultimately breaking it if you were the type of person that was doing that anyway you like you already could be doing it if you were that hardcore into it so you know, it's just nice that you don't have to do something that feels sort of awkward or, or whatnot. So, that's good. That's exciting. <sighs> oh, sorry. Got some yawns there. Um, you guys want to talk about stability? That's kind of exciting. This is really exciting, and it's different than I thought it was. Um, I mean, we're gonna have stability changes, and uh, what's the thing that's on bosses on champions that Defiant. we've done with the defiance? There it is. Defiance and stability changes. You want to start out with that, Kate? Yeah. So. I guess I'll talk about stability first. I think we mentioned this in the past, but basically stability is changing so that it's almost becoming defiance in a sense that it's a stacking buff that you use ACC to remove. Um, It doesn't just grant immunity to CCs for a set duration. Um, So they said it was coming sooner than we expected, and I presume that it would be coming with the the camera changes, not because I have any reason to believe it's coming with the camera changes, just that it makes sense to do like a bigger it's it's sounding like we're getting a feature patch from all the stuff that they are saying we're getting soon, but I I don't have any confirmation on that and that could be just blowing smoke. You wouldn't want to break any NDA. No, I wouldn't not that, that we're I'm not under, one. under yeah. That we're not under <laughs> break the non existent NDA. Um, yeah, I guess, didn't we, we already sort of talked about Defiant last week, didn't we? Or, I mean, stability, yeah. rather. It's more that we got the the Defiance details, which is interesting. It's interesting that, like you said, uh, stability is becoming more like Defiant, and then Defiance becoming its own thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess Yeah, the... I may have said this last week, but I'm really excited that, I, I first thought it was just going to be a graphical user interface change, but it's actually going to, like I said, act more like uh, Defiance for us. And at first I'm like, oh, that's dumb. It's just going to be easier to figure out when to interrupt and do that. But then I remembered, you know, before I had a computer that was decent to play, I had a lot harder time figuring out when the tells were on some bosses. So with this change, I think that's good for people who aren't able to run at max graphics. So that's pretty cool. Are we we talking about Defiant now? Yes. Defiant's not spilled. Yeah, because the main... Because, like, the big thing, the big thing that gets me excited about Defiant, the Defiant change, is that they explicitly stated that each CC will have its own contribution to the break bar. So, where Defiant used to be and where stability is going to be is one CC effect equaled one stack getting stripped off, regardless of the duration or the strength of the CC. So, a stun was equal to a daze, was equal to a knockdown, was equal to a knockback. And all of those things. And they're changing it so that they're going to be weighting how much it contributes to the Defiance break bar. So 
a effectively like a one second fear is going to contribute less than a four second stun or something like that. Um, which I think is, I think it's really smart to do that because before it was almost the opposite of how you wanted, which was nobody should use their long, their long cooldown, long duration crowd control effects unless they happen to be with a coordinated enough group to wait until all of the stacks were gone and then land only that one effect. And it's sort of overvalued, like cheap and quick CCs. And I think that this will bring it into a lot better parity and, and where is, yeah. Whereas like now you can use blinds to move that bar and it may be different on different bosses because let's say you're fighting a mole boss, you know, those underground dredge people, um, a blind may not work the bar because you know, they're already blind. Um, there'll be a blanket. I think I said there'll be a blanket uh, change for all the bosses, you know, in old dungeons and stuff. But um, as things are made, I think we're going to see a different per boss. Yeah, yeah. I know it excites me. How do you how do you feel about it, Kate? Um, I like it on paper. I like it a lot on paper. Um, I'm really hopeful that it works as well as we'd like to see it. I'm not wary uh, hesitant stuff. Yeah, I guess I'm wary of how it's going to change dungeon group makeups, if at all. Um, because if it doesn't change them at all, then it's not really a good change because it needs to shake up the meta. And I think it is really hard to comment on this until we've seen, or at least we have a better understanding of the specializations and how i don't know it's just change and i'm worried about it and that's just because it's changing and i don't know how it's going to work i think that it has the potential to make dungeon encounters a lot harder for groups that are not on voice comms unless there's some way to kind of signal that okay this is the time that we drop all the cc's and that could be you know through um through chat, through a boss tell, but until people know that, I think it's going to be really hard to to coordinate those CCs depending on how fast the bar refills. And it, yeah, it'll just it's just a lot of change. That's really interesting because I actually think in a lot of ways it's going to be easier because it's going to be a much more visual change when Defiant is getting attacked, if you will, than when the stacks just sort mm. of haphazardly go down because. It sounds to me like once the Defiant bar has been broken, they will be vulnerable to more than one CC, whereas currently Defiance, as soon as you get it down, the next CC works and then immediately they get their stacks back. So mm-hmm. a lot of the time, like you need a lot of coordination on at least higher end or more difficult content because you need to have everybody spike down its Defiant, but then not use it once Defiant is gone so that that Guardian can do the banish hit or whatever right um and i feel like the visual cue of if you are you know if you're highlighting the boss which you probably will be and you start seeing that defiant bar start crashing down you know it's it's sort of an obvious visual cue uh to jump on board i guess and then you won't feel like you're wasting it if you accidentally pop that quote-unquote final stock uh stack Um, right yeah it's interesting no but i mean but you're you're right though i mean it's because it's resistant and regenerating, it will require, mm-hmm. yeah, it'll require c- communication in different areas, I guess, which is... Yeah. Um, I'm hopeful that 
There's a motorcycle driving by. I'm going to wait for it. Wish granted. My furnace just kicked on. Um, I'm hopeful that it will be more conducive to people understanding what Defiance does because there are so many, even veteran players, who don't really have a good understanding of Defiance um, because it's not really explained very well. It's not very intuitive either. No, it's not. And I'm really hoping that at least the the visual changes are conducive to to people learning and um understanding the the impact of cc as well as you know buffing the cc part of the guild wars 2 trinity good yeah yeah i mean as you mentioned there's going to be there's going to be so many changes that it's hard to comment on really how any of them are going to th- there's there's so many inner connecting pieces it's true yeah uh, I'm very, I'm very excited by the direction. It sounds like they're taking a lot of these things. Mm-hmm. So all I can say, I guess, is that I hope they all work out like I hope they do. I yes. guess that's sort of a double <laughs> exactly. hope. But here's hoping. Here's hoping. Yeah, exactly. But we uh, are the Grumpy Podcast, so I'm sure we'll find something to complain about. Yeah, <laughs> indeed. Um, oh, I guess. Well, going back to the stability, they gave a few examples. Uh, Doliac Signet is going to give you ten stacks of stability for eight seconds. Elixir B is going to give you three stacks for five seconds. Boon removal, unless otherwise noted, will clear all stacks of stability, which makes sense because that's how boon and condition stripping works anyway. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think it's I think it's great. I think they're going to be rebalancing a lot of things so they make a lot more sense. I've always hated that stability is just sort of like the, you know, unca- uncounterable boon, you know? I've always hated that. I mean, it's just like reflex. Like, there's no... There's no real way to deal with reflects other than just not attacking or or mm. well, like bosses like bosses have no recourse for it or whatever except for when they make them just ignore reflects which then yeah anyway uh I th- I think it's a good fix so uh, spirit were you the one that put the personal story fixes into the show notes yes um it's really not that much except that Bobby Stein commented in the official forums that they are working on some personal story fixes specifically they're working on restoring the greatest fear storyline to the game which is the best one in yeah, my opinion is that the one that they broke when did they break that uh when they did trait changes i think yeah. it, it was a victim of the new player experience i yeah, did so not... they're going to change I didn't change it because right now I did the personal story right, right after they made those changes. And if I remember correctly, uh, Traherne cleanses ore before he did in the original way it worked. And it's like, that's odd. Yeah. Um, so they put it back or are they leave it the same and making it make more sense. They're restoring. So the gist of it is that they're restoring the formerly like 60 to 70 storyline, which is the greatest fear. Mm-hmm. That makes sense now. So you go to Fort Trinity, and then they're restoring, as far as I know, and as far as it says in these posts, the rest of the storyline to the original format, with the addition of making some minor improvements, including recording new new voiceover and and some minor changes within the storyline. It's really interesting that you guys both really like that story. I actually thought that was one of the weakest stories in general. I mean, I didn't want it removed, but... I liked um, well, I liked the vision part of it, but like the follow up where you actually quote unquote suffered your greatest fear, I felt like was super contrived. 
Well, I'm think... going to be clear. I thought all of the personal story was pretty weak, except for maybe the Char story. <laughs> but as the personal story goes, it was one of the better parts, I think. I think the the greatest fear wasn't a bad storyline because it was a bad storyline, but like within the context of the greater personal story, it was by that point you had figured out, okay, they introduce uh, I, I feel bad. Nobody, if you're a new player, tune out for the next like 10 seconds because I don't want those to impact your enjoyment of the story. But you'd figured out basically that they would introduce a character on like the even, so it was like level 60 or whatever, like, oh, you meet a new yeah. character. And then he's like, hey, come and meet my wife and kids and we'll go out for a drink after this. And then you're like, oh, you are so dead. He's at level 70 because it was these perfect um, 10 like 10 level story arcs and you they repeated over and over like it was you meet a character you get attached to him and then they die and then by by that point we'd already been through Clore Island and all of those you know all of our our personal start like the our, what was the racial specific uh, ones yeah the orders and, and the races so, yeah yeah and so you knew exactly what was going to happen and by that point you were like ah again i don't even care you're such a cool character. Like, I really like Apatia. I think the Apatia storyline is, like, my absolute... Maybe Which not one's Apatia? Favorite, I... Those the one, uh... Is the one where you're going to get the orb to protect Fort Trinity, so you have to steal it off the crate, and there's... The crate outsmart you and send out two separate caravans. So you go for one and she goes for the other and the, whichever one you go to ends up having the orb and she gets captured at the other one. So you go back and you give Traherne the orb and he says... Wait, wait, so choice doesn't matter? Yeah, no, it doesn't. Wait, that's not what the manifesto told me. Jeez. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, but like, see, I didn't even know that character. I don't even know where... Like, yeah. I didn't even recognize her. Or The, um... That's... It's one of the shortcomings of the overall personal story is that, and I really strongly advise you, if you really do care about um, the story of the game and you think that Once Through the Living Story kind of fell short, I would go back and play another, at least another one with different yeah. different things. Because there's they so many all, different acts going on. Yeah, they all do connect and if you play all of them the whole story is explained and quite well but it's the fact that you miss two-thirds of the explanation on one playthrough that makes the personal story really weak especially in the later chapters when you might not understand why you're doing things or why Zaitan is so easy to kill um yeah, well, uh, yeah, I mean, that was the thing that felt so weak about that story. It was, for me, it was like, my greatest fear is, like, failure or whatever. And then it's like, all right, random person I've never met. You go that way, I'll go this way. Oh, no, she died. Oh, I'm such a failure. Yeah. I am the worst ever. I'm so heartbroken. I'm like, I don't give a shit. I don't know who you are. Like, I mean, sorry, but <laughs> not really sorry. Like, that happens. <laughs> Like we're in a right. war. It's not war. It's not even remotely the same as when your mentor, you know, spoilers again, dies at Claw Island where they've been around and been like 
shepherding you through these storylines it's like hey random character oh you died that's too bad <laughs> like but my <laughs> character was so broken up about it that it just to me was like it felt so contrived i liked the idea of the seeing your greatest fear and or and all that stuff and and all that and all that jazz but then it's like all right we're gonna shove it in your face with a brand new character you don't care about and then we're gonna make your character care i was like mm, yeah but i don't there's care. a lot of there's a lot of shortcomings to the personal story and they all interact kind of very very fiercely in or where it's the you know the the very limited arcs where you could tell exactly where one was going to start and end uh combined with the fact that you're missing two-thirds of the information and then you know it it all kind of culminated there and ended in a, in a rather disappointing experience but and it was a little silvari centric as well I mean, I think I enjoyed the personal story more the first time through because I was playing as Silvar. Yeah, that's definitely... Traherne is not nearly as out of nowhere when you're a Silvari. That's correct. And, oh, I mean, right. there, there's so much of the story revolves around the early Silvari stuff because of the their connection to the dragons and the stuff that's going to come in the, next, in the expansion. And, I mean, all sorts of things are hinted at early on in the Silvari story and then they actually pay off whereas the other ones are a lot of you know well we're fighting some local bandits and centaurs probably not gonna deal with any of that later on though because you know random bandits who cares well, there's bandits in the silver wastes there are that is or true there were. that's true I mean I guess they could have that they could maybe one day go into that whole white mantle theory that everybody do. has yeah i mean so maybe the other personal stories eventually in the long run will have as well, much I, I think you said this episode or maybe two or three back that you know it seems like maybe if they're on a two-year plan or whatever for things that maybe since this two years was savari centric maybe the next one will be a little more char centric and then human and then azura that'd and be kind of cool and or norn yeah yeah it's possible and, and each dragon is going to be a little more well that leaves us where was Zaitan if um, Mordermoth. Anyway, we're getting off on I have stuff a slightly here, but... related thing. Um actually, if you remember Riot Alice from the Street Rat personal human story, she actually appeared yeah. in Gates of Baguma. Um she was headed into she was headed into prosperity and then north from there and we haven't seen her since. I'm just throwing that out there. Dun dun dun. Um, but yeah, I really hope not. I don't know. I don't want to be that person who's like, ah, game is awful because it's all about Silvari. They're Arena Net's favorite child, which I'm. I'm not sure that they're not. But uh, I really, yeah, I really hope we get some more love for the other races, just because I'm. I think yeah, that was one of the my criticisms of the the story at launch is it was very much about my character, and I do you know I like my character, I like being a badass, I like being involved in things, but I also want to experience the stories of other characters in the world. I don't yeah. want it to always be about me, so I'm hopeful that they they've gotten a lot better at that in the living story. We're we're getting you know the story of our character, but also the stories of other characters, and I hope that they they continue to build on that and we get the stories of of the other races not just a few members of those races for sure so i mean if each you know if we went with this whole 10 year plan thing would you guys agree that the dragons that each race would probably be involved with would probably be maybe asura for uh, i'm a little bit of a toss up but 
let's see, Char would be Kralkatoric, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, probably. And I don't know who Primordis would go to. I want to say Asura, because he came up in their original city. But then I don't know who humans would deal with. Maybe Bubbles, I guess. And then Norn, obviously, would have Jormag. Jormag. Yeah, yeah, I'm not sure it would be fair to give each each dragon to a race, per se. Um, especially human. Well, I don't know. None of them fare particularly well underwater, and that also kind of precludes the option of introducing other races, in which case it's going to get real not neat. <laughs> well, I mean, Bubbles, Bubbles doesn't necessarily have to remain underwater when we fight him, or whatever. I mean, theoretically, we could presume that Mordramoth... I mean, Mordramoth is a continent like a transcontinental spanning plant but we're still gonna find a way to kill it probably so you know who knows or prune it at least that's right oh man all right Uh, well since we're on the topic of lore real quick go for it i was thinking since we've been told that the dragons have facets and i think what mordramoth is life and chaos so they're not a one-to-one comparison to uh, the gods but there are similarities Mm mm-hmm I think it's interesting that um, we'd mentioned on the show, whenever we talked about the Revenant or the Radiator or whatever you call that class, that it's kind of like a dervish. But they can't put the dervish into the game because in Guild Wars 1, the dervish was directly related to the human gods. So the fact that this Revenant is, you know, taking powers from the mist, it's an interesting way that they brought in something dervish-like that isn't just for humans. Mm -hmm. So that's all I was throwing out there since we were talking about lore. I like yeah, that. I, yeah, I approve. I think it's an elegant solution because, like you said, they they can't really bring a dervish because of all the different races and anything that was human centric in Guild Wars One. They have to adapt, if you will. Uh, and I think that's I think that's a good a good meeting meeting halfway because I I mean I've said it before. The mist is one of those things that is brilliant as a storytelling device in that it is so vague that you could kind of do anything with it and they leverage it pretty well with world v world like as an explanation for world v world and you know uh now they're tying it in with the revenant and and all those things so it was it was a smart storytelling device for them to just say like yes this place exists and it is mysterious like you know uh, well, the things that we're poking at in the mists now, I mean, it's almost like what what Abaddon wanted back in the day is starting to come to fruition. And I almost wonder if somehow Tyria is going to reach some level of intergalactic um, ascension. <laughs> I feel like that's probably a little off off in the distance now, though. <laughs> Indeed. <coughs> but hey, tinfoil hats. I don't know if we've had tinfoil hats in a while now, so... We really haven't. We haven't had tinfoil hats in quite a while. It's been it's been hard to have tinfoil hats with the ins- information flow that we've been having. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, that I mean that, that's that's most of an episode. Do you are you guys ready to just move into cast cast? I think we're ready for cast cast. Are you ready this so. week, Spirit? Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah, I'm getting there. All right, here we go. I hope. Hello and welcome to Cast Cast, the podcast within the podcast, about the cast of other podcasts and stuff, cast of other podcasts, nailed it! Uh, this week on Cast Cast, I've got a couple small things, and then I lost my show notes. Oh, they're heading into the forum. Um, right, so there's an Overwolf design 
contest again. If you're not familiar with Over Overwolf, it's an overlay program that interacts with Guild Wars 2 and other games, but they have specifically had an Overwolf contest in the past that designed some World v. World apps, like a an overlay that lets you see the breakdown of, of points and who owns what in what borderland and stuff st like things in that vein there were a lot of different different apps for guild wars 2 it's it's permitted by guild wars, this is endorsed by guild wars 2 it's an overlay that goes over your screen it doesn't it doesn't change anything in the game it's fine it's not like it's like basically things that you could have up on a second monitor but over your screen instead um yeah and this was also timed really well with the uh the announcement that they're they're working on more API things, which I'm really not a good person to talk about at all because I have no idea what they do. Um, but my my understanding is that they are having a CDI on on APIs that they want to to produce, and then APIs interact with uh, fan created websites so that they can they can create stuff based on directly on information from the game which is also yeah it's also part of overwolf i'm not the best person to talk about stuff like this do you guys have something that might be a little more eloquent to say about that i guess not um, yeah not really i mean yeah i don't know it, it, it's i like i i'm a big fan of api and contests and stuff like that because i think that <sighs> we were talking earlier before the show about the uh, about dev resources and time we were talking specifically about things like fixing the camera sooner or whether or not that was realistic because it's not adding like a true feature to the game and anytime you can outsource development to other people uh you know i mean it just it gives you a much broader range of things and is exciting so yeah okay cool well the other thing that i have and it's not much of a thing but somebody went through and figured out all the crap you ever wanted to know about day and night cycles in this game. This brings me back to Legend of Zelda, um, Ocarina of Time. So it's a Reddit post, right? It's yeah, it's a Reddit oh, post with some elaboration. Yeah, he he put all the stuff on the wiki, but it's it's some elaboration on 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 like how he did research and the the kinds of stuff he was looking at. Um, so. The main thing is the wiki, and if you want some more elaboration, you can you can visit the Reddit link. Um, but it has stuff like, like my, which won't load. Um, uh, like which weapons and which, say, uh, like foods and which things like that are affected by day night, which zones, uh, change or don't change on their day night. So if you uh, want your Ascalonian dungeon weapons to look awesome and you always want to try at night, this will show you how to do that. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. It has a schedule with time zones for, uh, when it's day and night, at what times of day, things like that. It's yeah, it's a, it's it's pretty nice. It's neat that someone put the time in to do this, and now we've got it on the wiki, and you can figure that out if you want. Yeah, I was gonna say I I know that there's definitely some dynamic events that only happen at night, which is both cool and kind of a shame because it means a lot of people miss them. But mm -hmm. there's some cool ones. I know of at least one or two in Queensdale. Oh um, right, yeah. Yeah, like the ghost yep. in the graveyard. That one's pretty cool. And then this might actually really apply to what is that new mode coming with Larenthir? Oh man, I know it in the in Heart of Thorns. Or do we have like a zombie defense or something? Oh, you uh, with the outposts or whatever? Yes, yes. 
Yeah, yeah, that's even mentioned on the wiki briefly, is that there in in Heart of Thorns there's gonna be things where there's building up defenses in the day and then defending it during the night where all the big scary stuff comes out. Yeah. So, um that's yeah, I think that's pretty cool. So yeah. Uh you know, I was gonna say it was a short episode, but it's almost been forty minutes, so <laughs> uh yeah i i guess that's gonna be a wrap this week i expect we're gonna have a lot to talk about next weekend so uh thanks for thanks for tuning in that was another episode of relics of war if you'd like to get involved you can find us on any social networking site such as facebook twitter steam and many more just by looking up relics of war that's relics of o-r-r similarly if you'd like to send us mail you can send that to relics of o-r-r at gmail.com or go to our website, relicsofwar.com, where you can record right there on the front page using our WordPress widget to put on a headset and give us your feedback. Or if you feel more comfortable with it, you can go ahead and just record the audio and send it to us as an OGG or an MP3 file. If you'd like to join us in-game, send a whisper to Cole, C-O-E-H-L, and Nexi, A-N-E-K-S-I, C-Squirrel Run, that's a C, and then Squirrel, and then Run, or Spirit Face to get in contact with us or join the guild. Last, we always love the comments, so if you want to go to our main site and start commenting on some of the posts that we've got or join our forums, you can have fun with that. If you listen to us on iTunes, you can find our page on the market and just leave a comment or a rating that you feel that we deserve. We appreciate that. We'll read them on the show.